Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going good. We had a, a great um, time this week giving out candy. Yeah. And um, our first home, our first time in our new home, uh, you know, meeting our neighbors and stuff. And it was, it was kind of cool because uh, I had Parker with me and, and, all the kids in the neighborhood knew Parker and Ethan, you know, just from school or whatever, and they would all come by, and I didn't realize how many friends my kids had made. Yeah. So they they knew like everybody, and everybody came. Oh, you're Ethan's parents, or you're Ethan's dad, or you're you're Ethan's brother, right? And so I mean, it was it was pretty neat. All the high school kids came by, and it, it was it was nice. It, we had a good time though, That's but it was cool. a lot fewer kids than our old neighborhood, smaller neighborhood, but right. Um, I kind of prepared. I over prepared. This year, I learned. Yeah, you your first year in a neighborhood, you you don't know, and it's probably better to be over prepared. Except then you have a lot of candy, which is a great temptation. Um, and so then you know next year. Our ours was a little a little weird. So you know we we talked about this last week, and I talked about how our town, you know, everybody comes out, uh, but they don't come to our neighborhood. And so this year. Uh, we have a ninth grader and an eighth grader. So our ninth grader said, I'm not interested in doing this. So she didn't want to go out in our, um, there was, uh, the youth group was still meeting. So she went to youth group, high school youth group. And our son, who's in eighth grade, still wanted to, wanted to do it. He still wanted to go out, but he did not want us to go out with him. So we, dropped him off to meet up with his friends and he was in the area of town where all of the people we know are and and things and so we didn't have anything to do so we went and got dinner you're like empty nesters early on though it was really weird and there was i mean the we we ate really close to main street you know and there wasn't really anybody there because they're all with their kids and uh that that was that was it so it was a it was a little strange. I, we haven't had anything like that in years, but the but he had a really good time. I think that was uh, was really fun uh, with his friends and and Mary had a great night and and stuff. So it was it was very different. But I understand it was a great uh, time for for our town. We had had a little uh, costume contest here, and yes. we, and we did get some entries. We did, and we had some spectacular entries. Yes. Um, there, there was a great entry from Matt Hensley. Yes. Who went as uh, B.H. Carroll no, no, with a B&H no. book in right. his hand instead of a cigar. So he was B&H Carroll. Yes, B&H. Which I thought was brilliant. Very creative. That was brilliant. Very, very and, creative. And I will say, Ken Hemphill, you won the night with that one uh, because Ken commented on Matt's picture and was like, where's the cigar that was painted out of his hand? Because Ken used to be the president there, and for him to say that, I just I got right. the biggest kick out of that. Well, we need to explain that that there's a portrait of B. H. Carroll at Southwestern, and I, as I understand the the legend was always that that the portrait at one time had a cigar in his hand and it was painted over. Is that real? Is that correct? Can someone confirm that out there? I d- I don't think it's true. I think it's one of those urban legends, right? But. Dr. Hemphill was kind of feeding into the frenzy on that. Right. It was pretty spectacular. And it, it's kind of one of those moments, too, where you recognize a lot of people commenting on Matt Hensley's post would not get 
how funny that was that it was Ken Hemphill responding. Oh, it was like, spectacular. And so when you did, you're like, that's wonderful that he did that. So he had, so it was important that he had a B&H book, but he had it in his hand right where the, uh, you know, where supposedly the cigar was in the portrait of B.H. Carroll. So it was a great mashup. Um, yes. And, and great. And especially because, I mean, B&H is Broadman and Holman. It has nothing to do with B.H. Carroll, but you've got the B.H. and both. And it's so just, it was perfect. It's like those Wheel of Fortune puzzles where it turns into something else, where it oh, starts before yes. and after or something like that. The before and after puzzles, yes. Right. So, yes. so that was really good. And it was on, we, you should put that picture. Like, yeah. did, did, I think I retweeted it maybe, but, um, yeah, but that was good. So we had that. We had a couple, a few we more. That. And our winner, I'm going to let, we had two winners. Two winners. So we, so let's we tell, we, decide. we, we got one other one before we and say Matt the winner. Matt was winners. not the winner. Right. I'm sorry, so, Matt. Um, we had, an, what, what was the other one? We had another one that was sent to me. Um, so I don't know if it was ever public and it was, uh, somebody dressed up as Shonda Pierce and yes. it was, um, and that was really funny. That was random. Yes. V- and very funny. I-, I thought that was, yes. was, uh, oh, we cool. had another entry that was, um, Luther, but I threw that one out because he wasn't Southern Baptist. Oh, so there you go. Cause it's a SBC. Luther wasn't Southern Baptist. SBC themed. Yeah. Yeah. But the dude had early. the Luther, he had the Luther look down pat. So yeah. You know, so but right. we but, but we, we had two winners. Two. Yes, yes. Um, the the grand prize winner, the fifty dollar gift card. I'll have to drop it off to her. Is Allison Young for her GA coronation queen outfit? I mean, that was just spectacular. Yes, and the WMU women loved it. Yeah, so I like absolutely this. loved it. I liked this. I, I saw on Facebook that okay, first we have Matt Hensley puts his costume out there, and a former seminary president comments, and then Allison put hers on Facebook, and the WMU um, executive director and the president too, Linda Cooper commented okay, on it yesterday. Both of them are commenting on it, so. I thought this is really good. We're starting a conversation. This is awesome. And it was it, it and here's the thing, I'm speaking as someone who I didn't grow up Southern Baptist, so I, I was not part of all of these programs, but I've heard and learned and read enough to know that like the what was it called? Regent Queen Regent something? I, Man, I don't have a clue. It it's a title. Something like that. Regency Queen or something like that. I don't know, but I mean, it, it was, was a it was a big deal. It was fantastic. And she's got like the crown and she has the pose. It was really, really well done. Very well done. Yeah. So digging way into SBC history for that. Yeah. I mean that cultural was cultural history. That was pretty outstanding. Yes. So Allison, you win. But we also had another winner. We're going to also send a prize to uh, another winner. Amy, tell us about that one. Yes. So this is a listener that I didn't know. And this was one I also got. So I don't know that it was public. It's Adelaide Edgington. Okay. And she is a younger listener of ours. Uh, her dad is Chad Edgington. And, um, and he is from Texas. And his daughter, Adelaide, listens to the podcast. So I was pretty pumped about that. It was also her friend, uh, pa- the pastor's daughter from a neighboring town, Lizzie McQuarrie was Shonda Pierce. Um, Adelaide dressed up as the, I'm going to describe it. I'm going to give what they said, the Zumba instructor who uses the fellowship hall, which upsets the normal Tuesday night widow's card game, which I just loved. That's fantastic. That just fit like the perfect kind of, 
all the all the things put together for an S uh, for an SBC church, you know, so, something that goes on in an SBC church. Uh, it said that she she had a couple of other ideas. One of my favorites was she was trying to figure out how to be a casserole dish, which I would that would have been phenomenal. Um, to Did the see. boys at the potluck podcast would have loved that. Yes, they would have. So, um, so that was pretty cool. Thought also about, you know, IMB missionary, you know, kind of thing, but it was, this was the easiest one. And I just love it because it was such detail. The Zumba instructor who uses the fellowship hall that interrupts the Tuesday night widows card game. And so they sent those pictures uh, to me and I loved it. And I love that Adelaide listens. And so she got, so she, she's a prize winner as well. Yes. So we're going to send her a gift card as well. Get that out to her, and you know, thank for all who uh, who submitted stuff. We had a couple people submit ideas for costume. One of the best ones I saw on that was a big tooth costume uh, with a "Hello, my name is Al" uh, sticker on it, and it would have been Al Moeller. Get it? I get it. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of Al Moeller, located in Louisville, <laughs> Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries, and gospel leaders. You can learn more about undergraduate, graduate, and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Thanks for them for sponsoring this week's episode and every week's episode here at SBC This Week. That was a, a good uh, transition there. It may have been your best. I, I tried. I, I tried. Well, no, I, I've done better, but that one was solid. All right, so let's jump into the news, Amy. We have some news from the states this week. Uh, not a whole lot going on in the SBC except for state convention news where the Colorado Baptists met, and uh, they have really, really seen a transformation under Nathan Lorick, the new executive director out there in Colorado. Yeah, so they had their uh, their meeting, and they had 203 messengers from 92 churches um, that came together at First Baptist Church of Black Forest in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Their theme was a new thing, and I think there were a you lot. You think they used the old DC Talk song? For that, they really should have, but they didn't spell it N U T H A N G. So they just said new thing. You you missed an opportunity there, Nathan. Yeah. Here's something really cool, though. They did something on their opening day. They voted to receive 89 newly credentialed churches. And so that increased uh, the total number of congregations credentialed to send messengers to 325. That's a 38% Mm. jump. And those were churches that had been uh, considered to be affiliated with uh, the Colorado Baptist General Convention, but they had never completed the process to be credentialed. So this has got to be sort of a a sign of, of just things that Nathan Lorick has been doing in his leadership to sort of work with these churches to kind of get them through those hoops. And then that's exciting that they all get you know, to be received at once. I think that's pretty cool. And their CP budget, not only is the uh, the number of churches going up, so is the CP budget. Nearly 2.1 CP budget, uh, nearly a $2.1 million CP budget was adopted by the messengers the first time since 2010 that they are anticipating more than $2 million in budget gifts uh, for CP uh, in the state. Uh, the overall budget, after you add in the money from NAM and Lifeway, increases to about $3.4 million. It's a 4% increase over last year. And they're bumping up their CP percentage that they're moving on to 33.15%. It's an increase of 0.22% uh, from this past year. Things are on the move 
in Colorado. Yeah. I'm going to have to have Nathan Lorick on. I was texting with him earlier this week when I saw this report. And um, I, I told him we need to have him back on and, and to tell us about what's going on. Because remember, we had him on about a year ago. Yes. Just to kind of share his vision and everything that he had in mind for Colorado. Now they're starting to roll that out. And it's really, really hitting home with people in Colorado. And uh, this is exciting. And it's exciting yeah. to see a young state exec go in there. I think Nathan's like 34, 35 years old. Go in there and really make an impact for the gospel in a state. So, uh, Amy, they also reelected their officers. They did. Um, so, uh, Calvin Whitman, pastor of Applewood Baptist Church in Wheat Ridge, uh, reelected president, first vice president James Moreland, pastor of Denver Christian Bible Church in Denver, second vice president Rollin Kennison, pastor of Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. And I believe we discussed this last year because it's a reelection recording secretary is a, um, a ministry assistant at the state convention, Jan Lozer, loser, not really sure. I'm just going to go with Lozer. I like Lozer. But we could be getting it wrong. I don't know. But she is the recording secretary reelected uh, for next year. So really good. Uh, so- sounds like just a great meeting for them. Staying out in the West, we go to Utah, Idaho. Their state convention meeting was done in Kearns, Utah. And they had a one-day meeting this year. And they, they did that to try to get people to more people to come. So have it in one day. Squeeze everything into one meeting. Instead of a two day drawn out thing where people got to do hotels or whatever, they would come in and go, you know, get out in one day. Had 115 messengers this year, uh, 66 from Utah, 49 from Idaho. And the big talking point there is that they will have 35 church plants by the end of 2018 in the Sin Salt Lake region for a total of 104 churches in Utah. So of the 104 churches in the state of Utah, 35 have been planted in like the last five or six years uh, through the North American Mission Board's Send City Initiative, uh, including uh, one of the uh, churches by one of the uh, officers, uh, Brian Catherman. We'll talk about him in just a minute. He's a friend of mine. He's a pastor at Redeeming Life Church in Salt Lake City. Uh, got to hang out with him quite a bit the last few weeks uh, here. He was over here at uh, our church in Nashville uh, for a oh, big cool. missions conference we had. But, um, so he's, he's the vice president. So it's kind of neat. Um, but other officers, Matt McGuckin, pastor of Calvary Baptist in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh, we mentioned Brian Catherman. He's the first vice president. Uh, Corey Hodges of the Point Church is the second vice president. And for his first term as recording secretary, uh, Jared Jenkins was, uh, elected. He's the minister of discipleship and missions at Risen Life Church in Salt Lake City. They approved a $1.8 million budget up from the $1.78 million budget last year, increase uh, of 24000 and change. But they also increased their CP giving one percentage point to 29%, uh, up from 28% last year. Very cool. All right. Take us to Wyoming, Jonathan. We're just going to stay in the West this week, aren't we? Well, yeah. And in the West, we have a new state exec. Lynn Nickel had uh, retired from the state executive director role after 13 years and 18 in the convention staff. And the board has announced that they will nominate Quinn Williams at their upcoming annual meeting uh, to be accepted as the new state exec out there. Tell us about Quinn, Amy. So Quinn Williams, he's been pastor of Boyd Avenue Baptist Church in Casper uh, since 1996. Um, he's been in the ministry for a total of 40 years, uh, came from Texas, 
and uh, has pat and he pastored five Southern Baptist churches in Texas, and then went to Casper, Wyoming, um, and has been there for the last twenty-two years. Um, just a, a faithful pastor uh, in Wyoming for a, a very long time, um, highly respected in the state. And he'll be taking the reins there in Wyoming. Yes, he will be. And uh, nice job of reins in Wyoming. I like that. Thank you. you. Know, cowboy and yeah. You know, I didn't actually know that I was doing that. That wasn't on purpose, but thank you. Well, it was it was well done. I'll give you credit for it anyway. Yes. Um, he, so he graduated in 1977 from Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas. You know who else would have been graduating right around 1977 from Brownwood, Texas? Ronnie Floyd. That's right. Yeah, because he Ronnie went to Floyd, Howard Payne. Also a Howard Payne graduate. And they were both born, I think, in 1955. So they're both 63. They're both kind of graduating around the same time. And I bet Ronnie Floyd knows Quinn Williams. I bet they went to school together. I wonder if they were roommates. That's, I mean, it could have been, but that, I'm sure there were a lot of people, a lot of students there. So, well, I don't know. It's not that big of a school, you know, a couple thousand. You, you probably, I bet they know each other. I bet so they do. I'm going to go out on that limb. So I know Dr. Floyd listens to the show. So Dr. Floyd, if you know him, let us know because I'm, I'm interested. Speaking of Ronnie Floyd, this week they announced the Love One Another uh, theme for the 2019 National Day of Prayer. Had a little uh, write-up in Baptist Press. We also did a little write-up at uh, Facts and Trends. You can go and watch that announcement on Facebook Live at the National Day of Prayer Facebook page. And uh, looking forward to that. That's going to be on May the 2nd. In every state across the country, there will also be the big national uh, celebration. That's been viewed, get this, Amy, on Facebook more than 1 million times wow. uh, this past year. The, the 2018 one has been. So um, so there was a big rollout of that. Love one another. That's pretty uh, so incredible. So the theme verse is John 13, 34, love one another just as I have loved you. So uh, that is the theme for the 2019 National Day of Prayer. We have some more state news, though, Amy. Mike Stone will not seek a second term as the Georgia Baptist Convention president. Yeah, so this was announced uh, this week, and and it needed to be announced because, as happens, you know, at the national level, a lot of these um, positions, uh, the officers at the state level, they they have opportunity for two terms, and most of the time, people just they they run for reelection, and and usually there's not anyone that opposes them. Um, but Mike Stone has decided he's not going to serve uh, that second term. And so it needed to be announced so that others might be able to be put forward. It looks like he's made that decision just thinking through family responsibilities, church responsibilities. He uh, is currently the chairman of the executive committee. And of course, there's a lot going on there um, as they search for a new president. And uh, I'm, I think he's on the road speaking a little bit more. Uh, so just with all of those things, he just wants to make sure that he has the, you know, the right things on his plate is what it looks like. So he will not be serving that second term or running for re-election. So it looks like things are kind of open. We'll see who the next president of the Georgia Baptist Convention is. Yes, we will. All right, up to Kentucky, where the Kentucky Baptist Convention and the University of Cumberland have announced that their leaders are taking steps to dissolve their voluntary covenant agreement. Yeah, This has happened in several states and happened actually several times over the past few years in Kentucky as well. Right. Um, but in a show of goodwill, 
and appreciation toward the KBC. Cumberlands is making a $1 million gift toward the convention's church planting efforts and will also return nearly $350,000 in cooperative program funds that they have received during the current fiscal year dating back to June 1st. So they are dissolving the agreement, Amy, but they, they seem to be working together in a spirit of generosity and uh, unity here. Right, right. Uh, as, the, as they do so. Yeah, and, and we've seen this happen in, in other states. Um, there are, even in my state in North Carolina, there are, are universities that used to be uh, connected with the North Carolina Baptist Convention that do not have those agreements anymore. Um, in Tennessee as well, there are, are, are some universities that ha- that were at one time and then uh, and then they kind of became more independent and in other states as well. So this is not not a not a new thing to borrow from uh, Colorado, uh, but certainly is just you know kind of a, a another one that is happening. It looks like they're working very well uh, together. All right, finally, um, you know we talked about separation in the last story. Now this is coming back together. Uh, Pastor Dwight McKissick had a 2006 chapel sermon. Uh, that, uh, basically where he said that glossolalia is still a spiritual gift. It, it had been taken down, uh, after the school had, uh, banned it, I guess, back in 2006. It has resurfaced online. Right. At the school website after 12 years. So, Amy, I, I wasn't around the SPC at this time. Right. So you're going to have to help me out, uh, with this. I was still working in sports at, around this time. So, yeah. Uh, you're going to have to, to help me out with um with the the I, I realize this is a big deal obviously people have made a lot a lot about this right um but uh walk us through why this is such a big deal so this was a big deal in 2006 there was a lot of discussion around this uh, concept the idea of a uh, private prayer language um essentially so um kind of different from what what we might see the gift of tongues being practiced in uh, worship services and other things that's not what this what this was but it was a discussion about something that was referred to as a private prayer language um there was a lot of conversation about this with respect to the international mission board in 2006 um, those who remember that's when the blogs kind of surfaced and a lot of conversation went around online and ultimately uh we we got to some major transitions at the international mission board there were some issues um as far as kind of how the trustees were working through this and then in sort of bigger pictures the as the blogging wars as they were called kind of stirred up um then we we had the election of Frank Page as president of the SBC, and it just changed a lot of the dynamics in the SBC at the time. But this was one of the conversations that was happening. It's not the only one, but it was one. And for a while, it may have been kind of the primary one um, in the middle of all of this. Uh, Dwight McKissick preached this sermon. There was a lot of discussion at the International Mission Board at the time as to whether or not this should be a matter of policy, where people landed on this. Ultimately, the International Mission Board did have a policy that limited missionary posts, that it talks about this in the article, to those who do not speak in tongues. Now, a few years ago, a lot of those parameters, not necessarily addressing this, but just a lot of parameters where missionaries were limited when we went to kind of the limitless you know it it we it talked about how the parameters were the baptist faith and message and and things like that but at the time there was so much discussion around this and dwight mckissick who was at the time a 
a trustee for Southwestern, spoke in chapel, and he asserted that it was still a spiritual gift. When that happened, um, the decision was made by the leadership to not post that online. Um, and it has just not been for a long time. Uh, now Southwestern, um, there, they, they told Baptist Press that what happened was they were beginning to add things back to the archives, uh, that belong to, uh, that, that belong to their holdings at Southwestern and that this was one of them, uh, to archive history. And so it just happened to get re-added, um, this month. Uh, there were about 30, 30 items. It was part of that. Um, I think it does, uh, I, I think it does seem newsworthy though, uh, not, you know, not getting into all of their reasons for why they did it. It is newsworthy that it was never, that it was not there and now it is there. And so it can be listened to and it is a part of history, particularly history at that time. Um, a lot of those blogs that were live then are not now. Um, so our kind of that discussion is kind of lost, uh, to history, at least for the masses. Um, but this was a major part of that conversation. And, uh, so, uh, as someone who likes to track that, um, I think that's a good thing that we have that so we can begin to understand what all was happening then. And, you know, in years to come, people will look back because 2006 was, was sort of a, uh, a major moment in uh, Baptist history at the beginning of the 21st century. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for us on the news side of things this week. That's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right, so we're going to go to 1958, which uh, this is this is actually very interesting. Uh, in the Baptist Press issue from October 30th, if you go down um, a few few stories in, there is a headline that says Brooks Hayes, uh, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, also congressman from Arkansas, was commenting on something that had recently happened, that there were synagogues in several cities that had been the targets of mysterious bombings. And um, so Brooks Hayes commented on this. He said, Jewish people have stood shoulder to shoulder with Baptists in defense of religious liberty. And then um, a, a member of the press had asked a question and and Congressman Hayes, also SBC president at the time, said if bombings continue, Congress should take notice and attempt to ascertain the facts and the source of the bombs. He said he was not advocating um, congressional intervention unless the bombings continue. But if they should, Congress should determine to what extent federal laws are being violated and find to what extent federal agencies can work with state agencies to bring it to an end and said the bombers represent a criminal element and not a substantial number of the people. Um, and he was in Nashville uh, for a meeting of the Committee on Order of Business of the Southern Baptist Convention. So I, I just found this interesting, Jonathan, because we're dealing with this uh, on a national level right now. And a lot of our uh, Southern Baptist leaders have commented, um, the president and, and vice president commented uh, on what happened in Pittsburgh uh, just last week. Uh, we've all been kind of reeling from just knowing, uh, knowing that that happened and, and uh, struggling for the, with 
the grief and suffering that that, that community is going through. And so when I was looking back, I, I couldn't believe it that here we were 1958, um, which would have been 60 years ago this week, our, our SBC president was expressing sorrow uh, for people whose synagogues had been the targets of bombing. So it just reminds us that we go through a lot of the same uh, cycles and we've, we've got to long for the day in which this is no more. Um, and we've got, you know, we, we're all wanting this to stop. So I, I just, I couldn't get over that. I was, I was really amazed and, and had to bring that up. So it's been a tough week in processing it. Um, but you know, he brings this up. He said that, that, uh, Jewish people have stood shoulder to shoulder with Baptists in defense of religious liberty, uh, that this type of thing, you know, just could not, uh, could not, could not stand and, and did it both as a congressman and uh, as a Southern Baptist president. So this conversation was all happening 60 years ago uh, this week in SBC history. That's fascinating. Um, just the, the timing tough. of that. Just, yeah, and just uh, and tough. Amazing and, and hard at the same time, yeah. Right, right. Wow. Amazing. All right, Amy, that's going to move us to our resources of the week. My resource of the week is a new book by Mike Harland. It's called Worship Essentials. Uh, basically how to grow a healthy worship ministry without starting a war, uh, which I, I think a lot of people who are in worship ministry or in pastoral ministry um, could resonate with that. So uh, Mike has been on the podcast with us at Dr. Rayner's site uh, several times, and we're having him on soon to talk about this book, but it's a, a great new book uh, talking about, you know, just how to, how to grow your worship ministry in your church without, you know, it becoming a thing that people are fighting about. So uh, that's something I know a lot of churches deal with and, and struggle through. So check out the new book from Mike Harlan's called Worship Essentials, just released. And um, you can find it at LifeWay.com. Amy, your resource of the week is? On Reading Well by uh, Karen Swallow Pryor. I think I asked you if I had mentioned this. Um, and I think maybe I had in a, like a list of a bunch of books that were coming out about reading, but I want to bring this one up again, uh, because it has gotten a lot of incredible reviews lately and, uh, some, some stuff at, uh, I think Publishers Weekly put it like really high up on a, a list. Uh, lots of great stuff has been out about it and Lifeway, uh, has it on sale for $5 this week, I saw. Um, so I just thought, well, this is the right time to bring that one up. When I mentioned it before, it was kind of with a group of books about reading, uh, that were coming out, but I want to throw that out there and say, get it now, get it now while you can. It's about how literature can be a source of ethical guidance. The idea is finding the good life through great books. I have this, I am saving it probably for Thanksgiving week because books like that, I love when things kind of slow down and uh, there's not a lot going on and I can just dive into it. So I'm really excited about this. It's in my stack. Um, I have heard such good things about it, though. I can go ahead and recommend it right now. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. Also, uh, your state convention, if it hasn't happened already, go. Be involved yes, in the state be, convention. Uh, I will be there. I got my messenger card this week. I will be at the North Carolina State Convention. If anyone from North Carolina is listening and you see me, come and find me. I'd love to meet you. Um, and then if you're in another state and your convention's coming up, go uh, get registered and be there. Do you have to be reelected to the historical committee or is that a term? It's a term. Okay. All right. So you're you're still good this year. I'm good. So, okay. All right. Excellent. 
I'm I'm gonna try to make mine. It's in Jackson, and oh, yeah. I've got a lot going on. Um, I I don't know if I'm gonna make it or not. I'm I'm trying. Yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm actually. This is the first year that we're gonna go. It's in Greensboro, and normally we have driven back and forth, um, and and tried to pop in and out. But I uh, this year we're gonna go Sunday afternoon and stay, be there through Tuesday. So uh, I'll get to do a few more things than normal. All right. Well, you have fun with that, Amy, and uh, give us those reports from your state convention meetings. Send them to us. DM us on Twitter. You can our, our DMs are open, so you can message us and let us know what's going on. We appreciate you listening each and every week. We'll see you next week. See you next week. See you next week.